Welcome back to the Get a Q podcast. My name is Brandon Hall. I'm pleased to be joined by Jed Stefanowitz today. Uh, Jed is the digital learning coach uh, for the Walpole Public Schools. He's at OPR Elementary School. And uh, Jed, welcome aboard. Thanks, Brandon. Good to be here. It's uh, pretty exciting to be part of your podcast. Jed, we're so happy to have you here. Um, you know, we've spoken so many times about the work that you're doing. I'm always so impressed about the projects you've got going on. Um, but we had talked about this, I think it was at, was it at Fall Conference? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I said, you know, Jed, I would love to talk to you about something you're doing. Tell me something you're passionate about. And of all of the things that I know that you were working on, um, you came out of left field with this one, and it was drones and programming, and I'm so excited to hear about it. Well, it's really fun. You know, I think I was probably just preparing to give my presentation at MassQ when I saw you at Gillette, and it's really exciting to talk about drones. Um, that's really, and no pun intended, but that's when computational thinking takes flight, right? It's really about creating experiences uh, experiences for kids that are they're meaningful, they're memorable, they're measurable. And that's when, that's when you get the most impact for students in class, but also for teachers who want to try something new, also feeling that there's some good educational content and strong pedagogy behind it as well. So, so how do you integrate this into your, you're at an elementary school, how, how do you get kids into this? I mean, obviously, well, um, right, so, you, so I, I guess I'll take a step back there, right? You, you say drones, and I'm sure that, you know, you've got, it's like the Beatles showing up. It, you know, all of a sudden, you've got, your people are banging down the doors, and they want to play uh, and, and do cool stuff. So how do, you, how do you do this? Well, there's an interesting story behind that, because um, I first heard about these drones last spring, and the, the particular drone I like the most is called Tello, T-E-L-L-O, Tello drones. They are... Uh, inexpensive and they're really easy to work with. You just load the app and away you go. Uh, and the day I got one going, I actually flew it up to check the gutters of my house. And right away, you start thinking about these real world applications. So then I was pretty excited to bring it into school, start talking with kids about drones. Um, and quickly found out that most kids have flown drones and many kids have their own drones. Um, I actually visited, I went to uh, a school visit to visit uh, Michael Albert in Plymouth. Um, he's an instructional tech guy down there, and he was also equally excited. And we kind of did an informal poll of the class. How many of you have ever flown one? Zoom, all the hands went up. How many of you have drones? And a lot of hands went up. So we quickly found something that was really exciting, and the novelty factor for the grown-ups in the room were maybe a little bit higher than it was for some of the kids in the room, Amazing. but to be able to fly them and to be able to think about the thinking and communication skills that go into kids working together to, to uh, accomplish a goal, that's really where the, the classroom application is. You know, we talk about uh, 20, 21st century learning skills, even though we're now 20, 20 years into the 21st century, but we always hear about these familiar four C's, right? Communication, collaboration, creativity, critical thinking, well, I contend that there's a fifth C, and that fifth C is computational thinking. And that's really about the algorithms, the programming. Coding is a piece of computational thinking. And for me, whether it's drones or whether it's bbots or code.org or ozobots, whatever the device happens to be, um, that's where that fifth C really comes to life. So, so I, I guess for me, I, I'd have to step back for a second. So you've got what does the setup look like in, in the place that you're at? Because I'm thinking you're in, you're in sort of a big open room that's got a high ceiling. 
Um, that's that's just kind of what I've got in my mind's eye. What what does the setup look like? Um, that is partially true. I share a library, so I've designed a space in our Old Post Road School library called the iSpace. And this iSpace, the I stands for innovation, inquiry, uh, intelligence. I kind of it's cool. I ask kids what do they think the I stands for, and anything they come up with, I list. So it's really just meant to be. Uh, you walk in there, and it feels almost like you're in a discovery museum. But it's meant to be a multi-purpose space. It's not my space. It's the school space for this sort of either design thinking, design thinking, or any innovative work, um, whether it's Chromebook-based or kids working on iPads or driving dash robots around the floor. But these drones are great indoor or outdoor. I bring them right to classrooms and challenge kids to create flight plans to zip them around the room. And that's the thing. You know, you can program your little icon to move around a screen on code.org, or you can program uh, Bebot to move incrementally, or your your Sphero to whip around the floor, or Dash to run your program. But there's something different about having a drone lift off a desk and fly around the room, getting that third dimension in there. And it is really exciting. Um, there, of course, is a safety factor, which is why I... I kind of developed this uh, sheet called uh, the drone flight crew where everyone has a job to do because everyone wants to fly the drone, right? Um, And everyone does get a turn to fly it. But if they're part of a team, uh, there needs to be, okay, what are the other three people doing while one person is piloting the drone? So you've got your air traffic controller and that's the person who kind of manages the team. So you have a clear boss of the team at the time. Then you have the pilot who's literally with either a phone or an iPod Touch or an iPad, they're piloting the drone itself. Uh, you have your safety officer. That's the person who's making sure that no long hair is nearby or there's, you know, there aren't obstacles in the way, unintended obstacles. And then everyone else, that's your flight crew. That's everyone who's part of developing the flight plan. And that's really where it's a great uh, and very tangible way when you have a group of kids working together and you watch them with a drone in front of them, but all their eyes are on their iPad, I say, I kind of pause them at that point and say, all right, thinking about how to fly your drone from this desk to that desk, going around the globe, around, around the post, or whatever their, uh, their challenge is, developing the plan requires the computational thinking. All the adjustments they have to make to their program all the uh, measurements and thinking about angles and all the communication that goes on, that's the computational thinking to get their plan just right. Sliding the tiles in place on screen and putting the steps in order, that's the coding. And it's really hard to come up with a way to, def- to delineate for kids the difference between computational thinking and coding. And this is a great way to do it because they're planning, their eyes and their hands are off the drones when they're thinking about developing their flight plan. That's the computational thinking. When it comes time to plug in the steps, that's the coding. And it gives them a really uh, workable vocabulary to talk about that difference. Well, I mean, you hit all four of the four C's, plus, plus you've created a fifth. Uh, I, I can't imagine another lesson plan that's, that's, that's getting students to think like this. Um, and, and like you said, you've got regular robots. You've got an X and a Y axis. You're on the floor or you're on a table, and they're moving across a floor or across it, but, but it's a flat plane. Um, you're adding the Z axis here. So you've got up and down and left and right. Um, so uh, super impressive. Um, what, what would you say is sort of the, the, the best aha moment you've seen from students while doing this? 
well, it's really funny because when you describe it that way with the different axes and the planes, right away, I think you're scaring a lot of people because you're speaking a language that's pretty foreign to a general ed elementary school classroom, right? But when you think about and you kind of say, these are the two controls to make it fly and you hand that iPad off to a second grader and they can make it work, suddenly you're taking um, the complicated language and making it simple. And that's really that aha is the simplification of what you're trying to accomplish. Um, and it doesn't have to be drones. I mean, that's why B-Bots are so great for what they do. They kind of do one thing only, but they do it perfectly. You push a series of buttons on top and the device goes. Then you kind of ramp it up a little bit with things like Ozobots or Spheros, uh, or my personal favorite, Dash, where you're just dragging the steps in line and then your robot or your device runs the program. It kind of accomplishes those steps. For me, that's the aha moment. It's when kind of the application of the skill or the tool, so in this case, it's programming uh, or coding or computational thinking. When the application of that skill to demonstrate thinking, and in this case, it's computational thinking, um, can be done with physical models, that's when it really comes to life. That's when you build those moments and those experiences. And those physical models don't have to be drones. It's not about the drone. It can be on-screen turtle, just like it was 30 years ago. It can be a bebot moving step at a time on the floor. But that's that aha moment, is the transfer of the thinking into a language that can be then communicated to the device, and that thinking kind of comes alive. Plus, it's just so cool to fly a drone around a room <laughs> or make a dash, do your goal, and say funny things. You know, they, they do come to life and they have personality. And you see kids and hear voices that you don't normally hear. You especially see kids take on leadership roles that maybe have been waiting just for that certain activation, activation switch. And that, for me, gets really exciting when those kids get ignited in ways that they've kind of been waiting for. Yeah, that, I mean, for me, that's my aha moment, right, is grabbing those kids that you don't necessarily grab with. You, th you think you've done all of this cool stuff all year long, and then all of a sudden one kid jumps off the page to you, right? He, d he, he or she jumps in and says, like, okay, we're going to try this. And you, all of a sudden you're like, whose voice was that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, that, because it's, yeah. you know, it becomes success, uh, success with drones or robots or whatever the physical model happens to be often isn't about the operation of the device, right? It's about the communication of uh, what are the steps required to accomplish the goal. And that is really not about the, the technical capacity at all of the student. It's really about their ability to communicate and collaborate and work together. And so often kids realize, okay, this was as much an activity about group communication and collaborative thinking skills as it was about flying a drone. Yeah. So I went to a workshop uh, with, with one of our, we had a skit meeting um, and it was in Barnstable. It was at Barnstable High School with Beth Ann Orr. Uh, and Beth Ann has a, had a couple of kids that were drone pilots. They had pilots licenses. Uh, one of them had purchased this uh, a DJI um, drone that was like, you know, $1,500 and had extra battery packs and um, did streaming video and, and all sorts of stuff. And it was like the high end of the kind of drone drone that you would hear about. He had a pilot's license. We had to call down to the Barnstable airport and say, you know, hey, in, in this location, um, you know, this is where we're going to be flying these drones. 
they told us, you know, this is how much airspace you have and how much clearance you have. You don't have to do any of this stuff with the Telodrone, I'm, I'm guessing, with the way that you're handling it. Yeah, not whatsoever. I think it has to do with the, uh, the weight of the actual device, the range of the device. So these are meant to be... Uh, it, an interesting thing about them is the drone itself has its own Wi-Fi signal it puts out, and that's how it connects to your device. So it's only... Uh, the range is only as long as your Wi-Fi range, which is great. So if you're in a classroom, if you're in a gym, and you have four drones going simultaneously from the corners, you know you do risk a little interference, but it can only go so high and so far. So there's kind of a built-in safety right there with it as well. Yeah, because I think a lot of people, their concern with drones is, is do I have the experience? Do I have, you know, who do I have to contact? Do I have to get a license? Is there insurance involved? Uh, that, that seems to be the biggest fear for a lot of people. Yeah, for me, you know, what made this so attractive right away was to be able to take it out of the box, charge it up, and fly it, and, you know, pretty seamlessly with minimal instruction, minimal training. Um, all of the controls are right in the app, so there's no remote in your hand. It's your phone or your iPad. Um, even the camera, you know, there's a camera on board, but you're viewing the camera right on your phone, too, so you're snapping pictures or saving video. Um, I think that's also why they're pretty inexpensive, because all the controlling is done right through the app on your device as well. Amazing. It sounds like a great device. Now, I, I do have to ask um, if you've heard about I know that on the Cape this went this summer, obviously you know that there were shark issues and, and all sorts of things with beaches or closures. They were hiring drone pilots um, on the Cape. Very All of the towns were on the outer Cape were hiring drone pilots to monitor the water. They did not have enough pilots. That's amazing. Amazing, It's not surprising at all. I mean, you've got the capability and the ideas you come up with. You just have all these ideas. And there are as many creepy stories as there are great application stories like that, too, especially on the Cape of people flying them around and going over people's yards and invading privacy. You know, that's a whole different world of uh, safety, security and privacy that is open with all this new technology as well. That's why I also like kind of the simplicity of keeping it simple, keeping it small. Um, And, you know, I wouldn't, I would never fly one of these drones, even though it's a short range. Um, You know, my crash rate is pretty high just because, you know, they're, they're not super, uh, well, they, they are very safe. And when they crash, the propeller pops off, you put it back on. So they're durable in that sense. But I know if I flew it over the ocean, it would end up underwater at least one out of every 10 times. And that's the end of that. Right. So right, right. I don't advocate flying one of these drones um, in a shot like that. Yeah. But the skills that your students are gaining would, would open them up for opportunities. Um, like, like the, the one that was available on the Cape this summer, I would imagine. Right. And, they, yeah, they're and that's, younger that's kids. a really good point yeah. is that, you know, the skills, if you start first graders on scratch junior and they're learning how to drag blocks across the screen in place and in sequence to tell a story. Those same skills then transfer toward B-Bots or transfer to the next level. When I have third or fourth graders um, programming a dash robot to tell a story or do a sequence or model what's a parallelogram or what's a hexagon, I kind of say, guess what? These skills that you just used to program this dash, you also could then pilot this drone easy peasy because it's the same skills you're using to program. We just kind of transfer it and ramp it up a notch. So consequently, then those same programming steps and coding skills that they're kind of getting a foundational understanding of, 
can then be brought right up as they learn more uh, complicated and sophisticated program lang- programming languages as well. Right. And in the same way that I'm sure David Ortiz learned how to hit a baseball the same way that we all did, right? Off of a tee or underhand. Eventually, he's hitting home runs out of Fenway Park. Um, but, but it was that same basic skills that he learned to get to the point that he did um, that kids are doing with block coding here. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So what else are you working on, Jed? Uh, well, I am new to, to Walpole Public Schools. And one of the most exciting things I've um, shared with this school in the district is launching our digital learning badge books. And it's not digital badging. It's literally an old school. Um, it's almost like a passbook program where kids earn stickers and eventually earn a very cool metal badge for being able to demonstrate uh, their understanding of their own digital learning. And it's a really cool piece where uh, it's launched across all third grade across the district this year, um, where students take some empowerment and ownership of using the ISTE standards for students as a guide to be able to say, I know what it means to be an empowered learner. And here's an example of how I am that. I know what it means to be a computational thinker. I programmed and flew a drone to complete a course. They kind of articulate the experience and the thinking that they've done that demonstrates that understanding. And then they uh, earn their way towards that, toward that badge. And that's a pretty exciting thing um, to be launching across the district. And it's a really cool thing for students to be able to learn and to have a working vocabulary of what it means to be a digital learner. So they have some ownership and they've got a strong stake in their learning as well. Um, and I love that program, and you showed it to me last year at the State House, and I was instantly hooked on it. Um, it's it's something that I, I'd love to have here in Pembroke. Um, the the other thing is I want to talk about is your blog. Um, and right. We, and we had said we had said before, you know, in our pre interview that we we have blogs sort of for for sharing ideas, but sometimes it's it's almost like a, a bookmark of an idea. That's exactly. Yeah. It's a bookmark. It's a chapter of, of thinking. And for me, um, I don't have a vast readership whatsoever. But what I like most about blogging is, in, and I'll use this uh, drones as a perfect example. Um, it gives me a chance when I write a blog post, it gives me a chance to kind of gather my thinking about a topic into, into a coherent and kind of digestible um, format where I can take that thinking, put it into one place, and then it's out of my head, and I'm not carrying it around in my head, in my phone, my ideas about drones, or my ideas about Dash, or my ideas about what does it mean to be a computational thinker. I kind of formulate the, all that thinking, put it together in a way that makes sense. Hopefully, someone reads it and you know maybe gets an idea from it. But now, if I want to remind myself, okay, I can pull up my blog about drones, I can pull up my blog about the ABCs of innovative thinking or whatever it happens to be. And I kind of have that, that chapter on the shelf to be able to pull it up and say, right, here's what I was thinking about that. And I often think about going and kind of adding to them, but it's a really, it's a really convenient way. And I think a lot of people, I know there are a lot of blogs out there, but I think it's a really handy thing. Just like I encourage, you know, everyone who's doing either coaching roles or instructional tech jobs, whatever every district kind of calls it. You know, I think it's it's a real professional tune-up to either present at local conferences, but I also think blogging, everyone has something to offer. Everyone has something that they are either teaching within their buildings, at their team levels, and blogging is just a great way to kind of take that thinking and archive it, you know? 
yeah, it's really cool to look back at and like at mine. I look back at my old posts and I'll think like, wow, I, this is the way we used to do it, or or this was a great idea. How come I didn't think about it further? And you know, you get caught up with all the the other stuff. And um, your blog, uh, Stefanowitz Class dot blogspot dot com. Um, I, I love the name that you have for your banner. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I I thought I was really clever ripping off TED Talks and calling it Jed Talks. Um, I did find out there couple of other guys named Jed who had the same idea and not all of their, they're not all educational related. So stefanowitzclass.blogspot.com is how to find me. Um, and yeah, Jed talks and I'm sure I've infringed upon all sorts of copyright, but we're all friends here. We're all friends here. Nobody's making any money off of this stuff. So we're just, we're happy to share the things that we have. So I, I think that's the best part. Um, Thanks. And, I appreciate and, it. And people can find you on the website there. What about on Twitter? Yep. Uh, Twitter at Stefanowitz135 is where you can uh, find me and see some of the cool things that are going on here at Old Post Road and happening in the iSpace as well. So Jed Stefanowitz is the digital learning coach on Walpole Public Schools at Old Post Road Elementary. Jed, always a great talk with you. I learned so much every time we talk. Um, thank you for coming on the Mask You Get a Q podcast. Thanks, Brandon. I really appreciate it. And a shout out to the other digital learning coaches here on Walpole. Uh, joining a team of coaches has been really great and it's pushed me to grow professionally as well. So I appreciate the opportunity, Brandon. Uh, this is a great podcast and I appreciate your time. Thanks. All right. And we'll be back. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and anywhere podcasts can be found. This is the Get a Q podcast from MassQ, here to educate, connect, and inspire.